Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 46 called, Even to Your Old Age I Will Carry You. Now in Isaiah 46... Verse 1, it says these words. Bel has bowed down. Nebo stoops over. Their images are consigned to the beasts and the cattle. The things that you carry are burdensome, a load for the weary beast. Now you're going to see two gods as we move and look at the nation of Babylon, two gods of Babylon. The first is Bel. And his name was often used in the names of leaders, Belshazzar, for example. The second god, this was the son, is Nebo. So you would see his name, for example, in the name Nebuchadnezzar. So the leaders of Babylon, the kings and so forth, the leaders of this region would often take on the names of their gods. Yes, amen. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was a thing that connected them to the so-called deities. But two things that you need to see about these gods, Bel has bowed down and Nebo stoops over. They are in a prostrate position and the question becomes why is the language this way? Well, if you go back to Isaiah 45, you'll see something radical, something that you could call the theme verse for Isaiah. Or verses. And here's what it says. Look at Isaiah 45, 21. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? There is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved. Isaiah is a book about salvation. All the ends of the earth. So this includes outside of Israel. For I am God and there is no other. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone forth from my mouth. 45.23. In righteousness. That's a key word for tonight. And will not turn back. It will not change. That to me, the true God that has just been mentioned in these verses. Every knee, not some knees, but every knee will bow. And I want you to connect that to 46.1 where you see the two gods, the patron gods, if you will, of Babylon bowing to who? To the true God of the Bible. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And God says to me, to the true God, every knee will bow, every tongue will, in this uh, verse, swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness, and you could think of imputed righteousness or salvation, and strength. Men will come to him, and all who were angry at him shall be put to shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. So here you have some 
very central verses, but I picture, I look back at the context and I see that you have Bel and Nebo actually bowing down. Every knee will bow, every so-called false god. This is reminiscent of the, uh, the Philistine god Dagon. Do you remember when the ark was brought into the Philistine temple and Dagon fell down before the ark of God? He had fallen and he couldn't get up. Well, that's a picture of Dagon worshiping, if you will, before the ark of the true God. There is no one like God. There is no equal to God. He alone is God. And if you look at ahead for a moment, look at 46.5 in Isaiah. To whom would you liken me? And the Lord has said this throughout the book of Isaiah. And make me equal and compare me that we should be alike. Who will you compare God to? In the Bible, all gods are not the same. I know that's the world's message today, that every God is going to take you up the mountain to God and you'll be all right. That is not how the Bible sees it. The Bible sees all other gods as false gods and that there is one true and living God. And God even says, if you can find an equal, good luck. Now, we know the end of Isaiah is quoted in Philippians 2. Let's go there. Hold your finger in Isaiah. And it is quoted in this beautiful passage about the deity of Christ that we should mirror his life in terms of his attitude. And this is also a beautiful passage about both salvation and his deity. I want you to see something that is really interesting. This is Philippians 2, 5. Have this attitude in yourselves that speaks of a mindset which was also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2, 5, 6 now. Who although he existed in the form of God, the Greek word form is morphe, did not regard, what's your Bible say there? Equality with God, a thing to be grasped. Do you know that in Philippians 2, the scripture here says that Jesus Christ did not grasp on to the reality of his, what? Equality with God. And we just read in Isaiah 45 where God says, to whom you, will you compare me? Who is my equal? Well, I'll tell you something, brothers and sisters. There is an equal. The only one equal with God is God. And therefore, Philippians 2 is a deity passage to prove that Jesus Christ is God. Because there's no one equal to God but God. And here you have the triune nature of God. And uh, notice it says this. He emptied himself, but emptied himself. This is the self-emptying of Jesus. That is, he set aside the prerogatives of deity for a season, cloaked himself in humanity. He took on the form of a bondservant, seven. He was made in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, also God highly exalted him, bestowed upon him the name which is above every name. His name is above every name, including all the names of the so-called false gods. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Now, this is a reference to Isaiah 45. Of those who are in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. It might just make us think of the false gods when we see this, these references to those who are in heaven, earth, and under the earth. Just think about that and may connect to the Isaiah passage that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord 
to the glory of God the Father. This is a reference directly to a deity passage. And this is, I guess, there's no other way to say it. It is clearly indicating that Jesus is God. And every tongue one day will swear allegiance, will bow, and will say that Jesus Christ is indeed God to the glory of God the Father. God the Father is the one that sent God the Son. Go back to Isaiah 46. These two false gods, Bel and Nebo, will also bow, as it were. Bel, in the Babylonian um, mythology, means Lord. It was a title for Marduk, Babylon's chief deity, their patron god. He was the king of the gods in Babylon. And he, get this, was the determiner of the destinies of men and nations. That's how Babylon saw this god, Bel. Nebo was Marduk's eldest son and was the god of fate, writing, and wisdom. He was the secretary of the council of gods and custodian of the tables of destiny. That is, Babylon believed that these two gods controlled the destinies of men, wrote down those destinies in some sort of council of the gods, and determined the fate of nations and people. That's what they believed. And you're going to see that in this passage, God is going to say, hey, I got news for you. Bel and Nebo don't determine anybody's destiny. I do. And they're going to bow down before me. And I, I think it's unmistakable imagery here that that's every knee shall bow. Every, every person will bow to the ultimate will and sovereignty of the true God. And that's what the Bible is indicating. These gods allegedly controlled the future of nations and so forth, but they were not only not real, they didn't control anything. Look at verse 2 of Isaiah 46. They stooped over. They have bowed down together, 46.2. They could not rescue the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Now, Isaiah is looking forward to the time when after the 70-year captivity of Israel, Israel will be released back to their homeland. And when this happens, remember that the prophecy has said that Cyrus, the king of Persia, will be the vessel with which God will do this. He will be the one that will take over Babylon and the Jews will be released by virtue of this. And when this happens, when Babylon falls in this future time, future to Isaiah, the gods of Babylon, the gods that allegedly controlled destinies and wrote them down in the council of the gods will themselves be taken into captivity. They will be able to do nothing to save. You can cry out to them all day long, but they will do nothing to deliver you because they are impotent, because they are false. That's what an idol is. It is nothing in the world, and therefore it can't produce anything for you. Remember the movie The Ten Commandments when uh, there is Joel Brenner and his firstborn has died according to the tenth uh, plague of, uh, on Egypt from the hand of the God of Israel. And he lays this, his son on this hawk-looking idol. And it's his dead son, and the hawk's you know, arms are extended. And he's saying to the idol, you know, Please, save my son, save my son. And you're, you've got to be more than stone. But the point of it is he's not. He was fashioned and formed into a hawk man. His lower half is man, his upper half is hawk. And he was fashioned by someone who was a man. He, he got the materials together and he chiseled it out. 
And if you can't see that that's a false god, someone's got to knock on your noggin for a while. There's something wrong. You created that thing, and then you lay your dead child in its arms, and you expect that it's going to give life? You made it. That God can't do anything for you. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth minisodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Because they are impotent, because they are false. That's what an idol is. It is nothing in the world, and therefore it can't produce anything for you. Remember the movie The Ten Commandments when uh, there is Joel Brenner, and his firstborn has died according to the tenth uh, plague of Is- uh, on Egypt from the hand of the God of Israel? And he lays this, his son on this hawk-looking idol. And it's his dead son. And the hawk's you know, arms are extended. And he's saying to the idol, you know, please save my son. Save my son. And you're, you've got to be more than stone. But the point of it is he's not. He was fashioned and formed into a hawk man. His lower half is man. His upper half is hawk. And he was fashioned by someone who was a man. He, he got the materials together and he chiseled it out. And if you can't see that that's a false god, someone's got to knock on your noggin for a while. There's something wrong. You created that thing and then you lay your dead child in its arms and you expect that it's going to give life? You made it. That god can't do anything for you. They've steeped over. They've bowed down together. They could not rescue the burden. The people felt a heaviness. They've bowed down. Uh, What they did in the every new year in Babylon, they would have a parade. 
And on the beasts in the parade would be the gods Bel and Nebo. They would carry them in a procession throughout the community, if you will. And then, oh, there's our gods. And hey, what's going to happen in the coming year? Let's, let's hear some prophecies. And oh, they would go through this procession. And now the picture is of Bel and Nebo on the back of beasts of burden. And the beasts are going, get these things off of me. They're heavy. I can't bear the burden. And here's how the image switches now. Every person who trusts in Bel and Nebo, and for that matter, any other idol, will eventually be weighed down by that idol. You see, idols do cost us something. Idolatry has a cost. It's not just a material cost. Eventually, the thing that you worship, that you created, will actually become a burden for you. Have you noticed? Idols have promise. They're not some terrible monstrosity, you know, that looks so awful. No, idols are appealing. They look good. They promise something. They seem to be easier than following the true God. They don't demand much of us. They're attractive. They promise blessings and this or that and maybe very little demand. And so I go to the idol and I start to uh, praise and worship the idol. And then what happens? The idol becomes heavy. It becomes a burden in my life. It begins to weigh me down. It begins to cost me something very, very dear. The gods of Babylon, carried by the beast of burden. This is an apt image. This is precisely what the gods have done to the people. They've weighed them down. Rather than the pomp of entering in within the parade, now the beasts that carry them are tired of them. And the questions begin to form in the air. How can gods like these save? Isn't that really why you would worship a god anyway? Why would you worship something that can't deliver you? Why would you worship something that you made in the first place? And so here are the gods. They've collapsed. They've fallen. And up until tonight, let me ask you the question. How many of you had heard of Bel and Nebo? Not many of you. And you know why? Because they're long since dust. They were the supreme deities of this major world empire, and you'd be lucky to find a rusted figurine in a landfill. Because the things that men and women live for, they think in the moment it looks so glitzy and glamorous, but they're long since past. They're dead and gone. They've done nothing for mankind except for deceive a generation. And the truth is, that every generation has to battle with its idols. Every generation has to decide, will I follow the true God or will I follow that which seems to be attractive and easy? But societies rise and they fall with their idols and their idols can't do anything for them. That's why you still have a nation of Israel today. That's why they're back in the land. Because God will keep his word and I think it is important for us to look at history so we might learn from history. And God says in Isaiah 46, 3, Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel, you who have been born by me from birth and have been carried from the womb. In Deuteronomy 1, 
uh, 31, it says, In the wilderness where you saw how the Lord your God carried you, just as a man carries his son, in all the way which you have walked until you came to this place. Psalm 55, 20 says, Cast your burden upon the Lord. He will sustain you. Psalm 68, 19 says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears our burden. He is the God of our salvation. Selah. Pause. Think about it. And 1 Peter 5, 7 says we should cast all our anxiety upon him because he cares for us. I don't know if you've thought about this before, but the implication of this verse is that from your mama's womb, God carried you all the way. Some of you have uh, had near and dear to your heart that footprints poem, you know, and, you, and it says, why was there only one set of prints in the sand? God says, those were the times that I was carrying you. Well, that's a biblical image. That's an image of God saying to his people Israel, from the time you were born, uh, I have carried you from the womb. And even this verse 4 is such a precious verse. And even to your old age, I shall be the same. And even to your graying years, and all the older people in the congregation said, Amen. Amen. I shall bury you. I have done it. And I shall carry you. And I shall bury you. And I shall deliver you. Now, having a little sprinkling of gray coming on especially the sides of my head. I read this verse this week and thought, God, you're so good. Because I think the older we get, the more we start thinking about people carrying us. We start thinking about, you know, the age and mileage that happens to these bodies and um, just, you know, the fact that we're not going to live forever. And God says, not only have I carried you from the womb, verse 3, but I'm going to carry you all the way into my heavenly kingdom. I will carry you into the graying years, and I will carry you all the way home. I will bear you up. And, you know, the, the people that he's saying this to are not necessarily a people that have earned a whole lot of love, but that's not the point. God loves them despite what they've done. This, if, this is, if the context is the end of the 70-year captivity, uh, Israel's done nothing. They've been disciplined by the Lord. And some of them, from what we understand from other books, don't even want to go back to Israel. As a matter of fact, from the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, it appears that a very small number of the people actually went back to the homeland. And it may be that God had to have Babylon be devastated for them to see that they needed to go home. Sometimes your gods need to fall before you realize you need to come back home. You've been listening to Even to Your Old Age, I Will Carry You, part one on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 46. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Hey, just so you know, we have free apologetic events from time to time. They're called 633, and that's based on Matthew 633. Pastor Michael invites special guests, professionals in their fields to talk about hard topics that affect the culture. In the past, we've had guest speakers that have talked about the issue of racism, 
the COVID-19 pandemic, suicide, and how we as Christians can talk about those issues. You can watch those talks and many others on our free Living Truth app and on our website, walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael before we go. Well, sometimes you might be thinking, well, have idols secretly crept into my life, like maybe the idol of money? Is money an idol? Well, money, according to the New Testament, is not the issue. It's, remember, the love of money that's the root of all sorts of evil, not money. Money is simply a means of exchange. But when you elevate it to a God status, that's when it becomes a, a terrible master. You know, it has been said, well, money's a wonderful servant, a terrible master. So as long as you have money where it belongs to bless other people, take care of your family, you work hard for it, you want to enjoy what God's given you, that's not a problem. Just don't elevate money above God. Nothing should be above God. You open up your hands, you open up your heart, and money will find where it belongs, right there, to bless uh, you and your family, of course, your church family, uh, things that you want to give to, but ultimately to honor God and to take care of those entrusted to your care. So I, I hope that helps with that. God bless you. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station. How long have you been listening? Could you help us pay for the airtime on this station? You can help us continue in this ministry. A monthly partnership of at least $5 a month is all we ask. If you're blessed by this ministry and believe others can be too, please visit walkintruth.com now to donate. That's walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 46 called, Even to Your Old Age I Will Carry You. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.